seems cold and bleak and you just can't take it anymore. Here it comes, that glimmer of hope, a light shines through the door. It's a hopeless show, with Aaron and Rogan, whoa. It's a hopeless show, with Aaron and Rogan, whoa. Welcome to a very special episode of The Hopeless Show. There's been a lot going on in the world, as we all know. And we have a special guest, Rabbi Emily Stern, who is actually going to be ordained in January, but she already is a leader of a congregation in Maryland. It's a pleasure to have Rabbi Emily Stern on to have this conversation that is so needed right now. New voices in the community to bring new opinions, new thoughts, and spark new conversation where we can hopefully land on some hope and possibilities. I believe we will, and I think you'll be surprised at some of the places where we end up because that's the goal right now is to bring some sort of hope to what seems like a hopeless situation. Everyone is taking sides right now. We see it from college campuses to the media to in our own living rooms. There's always a side being taken, and people don't seem to quite have an open mind to listen. So what we're going to do right now is listen to one another, and then hopefully listen to you afterwards as we bring some next steps and see where we can get together on this show. So without further ado, we have soon-to-be-ordained Rabbi Emily Stern, who leads a congregation in Maryland, and I cannot wait to talk to her and see where we end up here. So... Thank you for joining. Well, Rabbi Emily Stern, it's uh, good to be talking to you. This is the weirdest of times possible in our lives, I know. And uh, how are you today? I'm okay. But like you said, this is on my heart and mind, what's going on in Israel and around the world is very present with me at all times, an undercurrent just in my heart of grief and sadness and outrage and fear and every emotion. Yeah. It's hard not to live with that stream of of really what's going on with our people. It is. It's like, do you feel it's hit you in your soul, like in a deep place that you didn't even know fully existed before? Yes. And you're about to be ordained as a rabbi. In contemplating what's been going on and maybe thinking of any silver lining, the only thing that I've been able to grab is there were so many apathetic Jews in our country, um, in the world. Mm -hmm. And this tragedy, this terror attack, is at least to, I'm seeing some Jews now they're coming back because they're realizing how important it is and how we are, we were very um, close to a time when we were all under attack and now we're under attack again. So to keep that freedom at bay as though it's taken for granted is selfish, is put, you put the word in there, is, is being uh, apathetic and it's a problem. Do you feel that? Before this happened, I wrote a book. 
And the book was called Am Echad. And it was exploring, it was like laid out like a Talmud and exploring conversations, interviews I had with people of all denominations of Judaism, talking about denominationalism and how divided we were as a people. Mm. And although there's different perspectives that are so strong within our people, the book feels like so out of alignment now. In what way? One of the things that was in it, this is so probably controversial, but one of my friends, I said, I asked him about denominationalism and the Jewish people and unity because it was about are we one people and he goes he goes if our enemies were smart <laughs> so terrible they would leave us alone because we would self-destruct by all of our differences as jews and it, it's only when there's an outside <laughs> yeah you know that it's just like it's so darkly real i think uh i think that's well, true how we are one people. I think it's true. I mean, we've been given the name Jew. That was an external name, you know, and that we owned. I think there are like kind of two types of rabbis at this point, and I could be totally wrong. There are the ones who have a very clear message who are like ceasefire or, you know, something like that. I feel like it's my job to hold my community in this way that it encompasses all the perspectives. And like, that's why I like hold a Wednesday night gathering for my community. That's like, people can just talk. And it's always been my like ideal as a rabbi to be able to just meet people where they are and kind of support them where they are. We as Jews don't want violence. We want to be accepting of all religions. My grandfather, as you and I have talked about before, my grandfather started the interfaith movement. He came from Nazi Germany and started this interfaith movement, the idea that all religions should have dialogue. And in spite of our differences, we find commonalities. That's Judaism to me. I hear you and I agree completely. And it's been on my agenda as it, as a really important piece of healing the world, of connecting with people, of, you know, everything, building relationships, of moving into a world where we can all be respected, and also, like, combat anti-Semitism, because people, when they know you, you know, support you, and when there's real relationships between religions and curiosity and respect, like, that's everything, you know, but... I wanted to ask you a question, like, do you think, what influence do you think coming out of Nazi Germany had on your grandpa in that way? Like, do you think those two things are completely intertwined? Like, was it his answer to a question or a problem? I do. That's a um, very good question. The, my grandfather came here when he was, I believe, 19. So he was just becoming an adult. He was uh, he was he was taken to uh, New York, then Cincinnati to uh, Hebrew Union College. 
he had two choices as he would say be angry mm -hmm. or be accepting and try to solve the problem mm -hmm. if you're angry you stay inward if you are accepting you go outward into the community and so i think it was very purposeful that his mission became to do the exact opposite of what was happening where he came from everyone was forced to be inward they were forced to be in their own tribes and mm -hmm. he was against that he wanted everyone to be open to dialogue and accepting other people's tribes let your church into my temple let your mosque into my temple let's come visit your mosque let's come visit your church but do you because think that's the opposite it? like do you think he linked it in the sense of like this will save us like this is my answer to yeah. okay i think it was his answer i think his I'll paraphrase his quotes, but it was dialogue is the only answer to have dialogue and conversation is the only solution. Yeah. And the problem with and then by all means, jump on this concept, but the problem right now with what's going on in Israel and around the world is there isn't dialogue. People are seeing memes. They're seeing TikToks. They're seeing retaliatory violence. Yeah. Because of a terrorist attack and thinking it's eye for an eye. That's not the case. It's a terrorist attack to a people that have been attempted to be eliminated for thousands of years. Mm -hmm. If we as the only Western civilization in an Eastern civilization, the only one, if we don't show strength, they will destroy us. They've tried for thousands of years. So we have to show strength, even though we're not a violent people. Don't you think if it was up to us as Jews, we would have no violence. We'd have a state like Israel where there are Jews, Muslims, and Christians all coexisting, which does happen. Everyone co coexists in a democratic society. Mm-hmm. We don't try to change anyone. We don't try to convert anyone. We celebrate, you know, people for their religion, their beliefs. For who they are. Yeah. And the problem that I think people are not getting in our so-called justice movements in the United States is that the Eastern civilization, all the surrounding countries in, to Israel, mm -hmm. their leaders are kings princes dictators mm -hmm. their citizens have no rights mm -hmm. they the women women have no rights it's a it's a different society than we even know so we have one western civilization in a in a otherwise very different society than we're used to a society that 99% of people in the united states would not want to step foot in for one second and mm -hmm. Uh, my grandfather did say this about Israel, and then I really want uh, you to uh, chime in with your thoughts. My grandfather said about Israel that while it's a great thing and Jews deserve and need a place after six million of us were killed, it's going to be very problematic because to have a Western democracy in an Eastern world is going to be very hard to do and is going to be problematic. Not bad, but problematic. What do you think? 
I, I think that what you're saying is that the perspectives are so vastly different. We have a story. We have a story that, you know, it's that joke. They killed us. Let's eat. They tried to kill us. Yeah. It's like, this has been our story. This is our narrative. And so we're watching it play out. And it's really hard to put it in any other context. When you are born, raised under a terrorist regime or a king like Saudi kings or Iran dictators, these types of countries that people are calling us to cease fire to, they don't have the same understanding of things that a Western civilization does. They don't act in the same way. And to me, that's where the uh, the narrative is getting totally lost in Western civilization, supporting, in essence, supporting the terrorists because Jews don't want to kill Muslims. There's 1.6 billion Muslims. We don't want to kill Muslims. We actually love Muslims, the Muslim community, the ones that like us, we're, we're cool. We're down. Uh, it's the ones that want us killed that we have a problem with. Using your grandfather's like way of thinking of communication, of not being in our own story only and trying to reach out. How do you think we reach out in this moment? It's it's the toughest thing to grasp right now because all the terrorists and the Jew haters want is for us to be isolated. Hmm. And right now they're getting what they want. It's working. Because they know and they knew something I didn't know, which is if you attack Jews and kill Jews, and Jews do anything but say, oh, don't worry, it's okay. We're the problem. Mm -hmm. So it's very hard when you look at the our history and all we've been is persecuted. Right. And then we rise above that and we come back and we are, they are the trope that Jews are cheap. Well, you know what that comes from? Why? We've had our land and our stuff taken from us for thousands of years. So we hold on to what we can while we have it until someone takes it away again. The tearing down of these posters. Yeah. Like, why is that a thing? Why is that like these people I've seen a bunch of white people who definitely don't seem Palestinian and don't seem Jewish are tearing down these posters as though it's their next self-righteous justice movement i mean i Why? think because they believe that the attacks were justified and how is that okay how, what how do you feel that we can tell people that that's not okay it's beyond not okay i mean it's like the world has gone mad Honestly, when I was in Israel, this was one of the reasons I left. 
I was in Israel for a year studying at a Dati Lumi seminary. It was only about Israel and how it's our homeland and like in our hearts. And it was always wherever you were, it was preaching to the choir. So I would go to these meetings at um, for dialogue and there'd be these panels. The panels would be only Palestinians. And I was like, how come nobody from my seminary is on the panel explaining that Jews do not want violence? But I feel like it's like one thing to be like, just leave us alone let us survive. And another thing to be like, well, what is our relationship to the world? And I think in some ways, this kind of brings it back to both your grandfather and like what we should do in this conflict, because as isolated as we feel, the truth is we're not isolated. And people are calling us out on a lot of things. And there has to be a way to transform our connections with people. Understand what do you what think? Saying? Yeah, what what could? Because I think we're both solution based. Like we want to figure out a solution. What would a connection be? What would a what would be a way for us to change the narrative of our connecting to people? I mean, I I have a little bit of like a hesitation about going to scripture, because I feel like scripture and prophecy and things like that are kind of like, um invalidation to the situation because it's kind it's kind of like somebody dies and you're like it wouldn't happen if you couldn't handle it or it's all for the best you know like you know what i mean like yeah platitudes and so to talk about like a future redemption or in particular what i want to cite now is being a light to the nations hmm. there's something that has to be worked out in terms of our relationships that is so misaligned right now yeah. But it's like a big tikkun that needs to happen in interfaith, but not how we've been thinking maybe of interfaith. Like almost like what's the upgraded version of what your grandpa, of Papa, wanted? Like what's what's Papa's plan 2.0? It's like that's I what know. we channel right now. Like what is it that fixes it's if it's not dialogue because dialogue's not happening maybe it's through social media like who knows like we don't know what the fixing is of it and i don't think screaming our narrative is helpful maybe at this point because for whatever reason it hasn't been working so how do we like have a relationship with the world with every country that makes it that we're a light to the nations and is that light, like when we were talking about the rabbi's role, is that light being leaders that stand their ground and have an opinion and go after what they need and defend themselves? I think you hit something that's making me think in a different way or a way of, as you said, what's what's interfaith 2.0? Yeah. I think it is the messages. There used to be like if he was like, uh, I know when my grandpa like spoke with the Pope. You know, yeah. it was on the news. I think it was in the 80s, early 90s, something like that. And it was, he spoke with the Pope. It's on the news. There was no social media yet. And that was it. Now with social media, we have hashtags and we have sides. Everyone takes sides. Everyone has opinions and nobody listens anymore. People are just not listening. 
They make their decision and that's it. The What I have not been seeing that I would like to see, and maybe it's something that we can do, is get a leader from the Muslim community, get a Palestinian, get a, uh, a church leader, everyone in the room who's willing and open to have a dialogue and hear That's everyone's problem. perspective. Willing and open to have a dialogue. We need people who aren't willing and open to have dialogues too, to say their perspective. It could almost be a bit of, it's like you have um, the super Zionist Jew, right. you yeah. have the pro-Palestine and that's it, Palestinian Muslim. And then you have the one open to it. It's like you have both. So you have six or seven people in that room having a roundtable discussion, discussing this so that even their own person, their own side can help enlighten. And then everyone's hearing everything because right now people are only listening to what they want to listen to. Right. And if you're Palestine, 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 and everyone should be free and the Jews should be eradicated. That's all you're going to hear. Right. If you're uh, every extreme, you just hear that extreme. We all, we need to create, and maybe we will, a room that has a voice of everybody so that the argument can happen, the discussion can happen. One of my rules for the Wednesday night is yeah. like, I don't want, I said, I said, you are not, your responsibility is not to represent any group and contingency. Like mm. you're just you. Maybe we make like a, a, like a social media platform that's called out of the box. And mm. so they, it, it changes algorithm. It doesn't go to the echo chamber so that you can say your opinion and you're only shown social media that's opposing view. That's good presented those views it's and then someone would have to say someone who feels the opposite would have to you have to say do you understand where they're coming from Mm -hmm. can you try to put yourself in their shoes Mm -hmm. we could try that right this second how so i'm the pro-palestinian okay i want the elimination of jews so why do i think that it was in my dna i was raised to think that way for one yeah. So it's all I've possibly ever known. So what what kind of messages were you told? Like they were like your parents as a as a table. Palestinian. Yeah, like around the dinner table, it was happening. You, you know, starting in when I was five years old in school, I was told that we want the from the river to the sea, we want the genocide of Jews. But why? Like, what would happen in the world? Like, why would the world be better then? Or is it about the world being better? Like, what what's it about? Maybe I don't know that answer. Maybe I've never even been asked that question. And this, what I think this role-playing of Aaron the Palestinian is is doing is showing that some people, when you get pushed to a certain point, might not even know the answer that of why they're preaching what they're preaching. Do you think trying to figure it out? Do you think in terms of like having never asked the question? that you just identified maybe in in this situation. Do you think that there's a Jewish equivalent? Is there a question we've never asked ourselves? That's interesting. Prob- there probably is. It's just our blind I don't, You don't know. I don't know them, but I'm guessing there are super extremist Jews who 
are probably Islamophobes and want the erratic, they want all Muslims to be killed. I don't know of any. I've mm -hmm. never heard of one, mm -hmm. but October 7th, which by the way is my grandfather's birthday. No. So it's a, I know, right? It happened on Rabbi Interfaith's birthday. So maybe the next step, because I'm always thinking, we've talked about it a little, of next steps, what to do. I've been silenced a little bit at times because of what's going on and people don't want to be outspoken one way or another. So what is a next thing? I think it's to have this dialogue. Um, we did one thing before, when Restoring Tomorrow came out in the theaters, we, I forget exactly what it was about, but there was a, a discussion afterwards that was shown in the theaters with me and leaders from all faiths. Mm. And it was this like 15 minute round table that we had. Mm -hmm. The focus at the time was uh, mainly Pittsburgh because the Pittsburgh uh, massacre at the synagogue had just happened. Mm -hmm. So that's what we focused the conversation on the most mm -hmm. was the biggest anti-Semitic attack in this country mm -hmm. um, at the time. But what did you guys get to everyone agreed the the problem. The good thing was we all talked the bad thing was that nothing much came out of it beyond everyone saying from all faiths that it was faiths that it was bad. But again, that was some crazy anti-Semitic person killing Jews. So it was a pretty easy thing to get behind. This is a lot more complex, even though it shouldn't be. So I think. I feel like another one of those conversations needs to be had, which can hopefully lead to many. Because right now where we're at, we're, it's getting worse and worse and worse. And I feel like the possibility is there that what you're describing is social media because it can't it isn't necessarily leaders that are like, I represent my people because everyone's an individual and so many people are speaking out that Maybe there's a way to use the internet because so many people are connected to it to have a dialogue that represents something bigger. And I think it's okay for us not to have the answers right now, but yeah. as long as we're asking the questions and we've come up with some questions for what maybe we need to do next, the media is doing nobody any favors. Yeah, the, me the media is just picking and choosing the most extreme things to put on the news. My my dad did tell me this. He said the problem with Papa with my with Rabbi Wolf's messages now would have been because he would have been asked maybe to be on TV and do commenting and stuff. But the problem is he'd always look for the silver lining and look for some way to find answers. So he wouldn't be poking at it again, saying, we must do this, we must do that. He'd be, say, I see this, I believe this, I also see where they might be coming from, let's try to find common ground. But that's not sexy. That's not what CNN or Fox News or any news outlet or talk show wants to hear. They want to hear the opinionated person who's going to cause anger and strife. But that doesn't mean we can't do it just to stay in anger mode will get us nowhere. Even if we are angry, we have to feel it deeper to find something. And I hope we can continue to do that. 
Amen. Amen, indeed. And I hope we can take a breath right now. Maybe we can do it together. And breathe it out and know that this is the beginning of hopefully bringing some solutions to at least a few people to the uh to the table because yeah, i've uh sorry keep going no you keep now you you uh take us take us home akodosh barhu holy one of blessing holy one of strength holy one of love please help us Please guide us. Let us fulfill your will. Let us see all the sides so that we can be the stars that we really are, the six-pointed stars that go in every direction, that include upside down and forward and side to side. <laughs> Let us shine and light up the sky. Thank you. Now I feel calm. What an absolute joy it was to have Rabbi Emily Stern on with us. Emily was so insightful and really brought, I think, some next steps to the table, which is what we wanted. And I can't thank her enough. If you want to follow her and learn more about her, you can go to Emily Stern Poetry on Instagram. And she posts a lot of her poems and other things on there. So Emily Stern Poetry on Instagram. And we look forward to more with Emily, hopefully in the future, because I learned a lot. And I feel like between the two of us, we got to some really special places uh, for more dialogue. So thank you for listening. And until next time, I'm Aaron Wolf. And Rohit will be back with the next episode. And thank you for listening. When the world seems cold and bleak and you just can't take it anymore Here it comes, that glimmer of hope A light shines through the dark It's a hopeless soul